0: Well, uh, we enter the Christmas season. We began today. The be- uh, campus uh, beautifully decorated. It's a wonderful, wonderful season. And yet this wonderful season oftentimes has a, a lot of despair and hopelessness uh, and disappointments in it. So uh, we come to begin this uh, wonderful season of Christmas celebrating the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ uh, with the need, need for good news, uh, good news that will give us hope. And encouragement and expectation about God's presence in our lives individually and in our church. I struggled about how I would approach Christmas this year. I've been preaching this story for 43 years and I wondered, okay, how can I, you know, how can I deal with this in a different way? And then uh, the Bible Studies for Life curriculum that many of our Bible study classes use on Sunday morning is using all the great passages about the birth of Christ. From Isaiah and the prophecy to Luke 1 and 2 and Matthew 2 and, and just uh, taking you all the way through to the first Sunday I think in January. Now it's interesting that the other curriculum uh, uh, is starting you all in, um, in, the, in the book of Genesis and you're only going to take w- one week to study um, the lesson, I think, about Christmas as I looked at So I thought, well, what in the world can we do? So then I realized we're doing this jazzy Christmas for, for Christmas, and we sing some of our most favorite songs, I think, during Christmas. So I thought, how about a series on the songs of Christmas? And we'll focus on those, and we'll sing them, each one that we will focus on. And my hope is that this will take us to the manger and beyond uh, as we find more To hope for and more to fulfill our hopes in our faith renewed by the presence and the promise and the power of God. So we're going to be talking about the songs of Christmas. And I would hope that maybe we could could incorporate our spirit into this celebration the way that Robert Louis Stevenson, noted Scottish novelist, did in the opening line to his writing entitled A Christmas Prayer. He said, Loving Father, Help us to remember the birth of Jesus that we may share in the songs of the angels, the gladness of the shepherds, and the worship of the wise men. So may we do that this year. May we we do this, that we would share in the song of the angels, the gladness of the shepherds, and the worship of wise men. Now, the song today we're going to focus on is O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And I found out some interesting things about this song as I did my research. It's probably the oldest Christmas song that we sing. It's probably written around 800 A.D., probably written by a monk in a monastery. The original writing of it had seven stanzas, one for each day of the week, and they would sing it or chant it as they worshipped. It wasn't until 1850s that it was translated into English, and published in England by John M. Neal. And the stanzas were reduced from seven to five. And now our current version that we sang this morning only has four stanzas. And they call for the advent or the appearing, advent means the appearing or coming, of Christ the Messiah by use of the names Emmanuel, Wisdom from on High, Desire of Nations, and Dayspring. And and surely when the, the... Whoever wrote this had a great deal of knowledge about about both Old and New Testament. And so uh, they, they encompassed a lot of that into this song. But surely they had the basic, the basic uh, prophetic vision from Isaiah 7, 14 when they wrote this. Because this was the promise, first promise about Emmanuel. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel. We find that later repeated in, in, the, in the message of the angel to Joseph in Matthew one 20 through 20-23. Where the angel said, after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. This is a reference back then to Isaiah seven fourteen, The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, Jesus was not known by that name, Emmanuel. They didn't call him Emmanuel. They called him Jesus. But... The name Emmanuel describes who Jesus was when he walked the face of the earth and what he would accomplish. That he would be God with us as he walked the face of the earth. And what he would accomplish is, the angel said, he will save his people from their sins. Jesus came as that long-awaited Messiah to be God with us and to meet the deepest needs of of our life. Now, while I didn't really find a, a different or new way to approach the Christmas story, finding this concept about God coming to us, I did find a new place for that. At least it was for me. And that's our scripture for today in Isaiah 57 verse 15. Now, if you listen to this carefully, you will find how it describes for us who God is, where God is, and then what God decides to do in relationship with us. Isaiah 57 verse 15. For this is what the high and lofty one says. That's God. He is the high and lofty one. He is holy. Who He who lives forever, whose name is holy. I live in a high and holy place. That's where God, we always think about God being above us in heaven in a high and holy place. And he affirms that right here. He says, I live in a high and holy place, but. There's that contraction, but, that says, also with him who is contrite and lowly in spirit. That's with us, human beings who are lowly in spirit. To revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Now, look at the phrases describing God. He is high and lofty. He is holy. He is righteous and he alone is that. He lives forever. He has no beginning. He has no end. And His name is holy. This is God. High and lifted up. High and majestic. Holy is His name. And yet at the same time as only He who is God can do, He lives among us. We are the ones who are described here who are contrite, And lowly in spirit. That is, we're kind of broken in life. We've got a downcast spirit about us. But then God comes to us and his purpose of coming is revealed in these words. To revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. And so, as we sing that hymn today, that great carol, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, we're asking God as the writers of the hymn did, to come from heaven. Come down from your lofty place and dwell among us and revive us, revive our spirit and renew our hopes and our eager expectations. Now We know that the Messiah has already come. That prayer has been answered. And, and Jesus Christ left the glory of heaven, left the splendor of heaven, left the divine nature there and he came to earth to walk among us as a human being. And it's his birth that we celebrate. God chose to come as a baby to reveal himself. And just think about that from Isaiah's writing. The high and holy one, the one who lives and who is exalted and and who is high and, and holy and lofty descended to earth and came to us to live among us with a broken spirit. He came to meet the deepest needs that we have. And he lives among us to encourage us. So let's deal with that issue today and just ask a simple question. What does God with us mean for us in the coming of Emmanuel? How do we apply that and the answer to that plaintive cry, O come, O come, Emmanuel, now that he has come, how do we claim the the real presence of God among us? What does Emmanuel mean for us today? Let me point out four things. Number one, Emmanuel meets our need to know God and to be known by God. Emmanuel meets our need to know God and to be known by God. Now what we celebrate in this Christmas season is the fact that all the yearning and all the pleading and all the watching of the Old Testament people of Israel has been fulfilled in the coming of the Messiah. And God has, by the power of His Holy Spirit, broken into human history. Emmanuel has come. Our hope has been fulfilled. J.B. Phillips wrote these words, and they've run through my mind all week long. He said, we must never allow anything to blind us to the true significance of what happened at Bethlehem so long ago. Nothing can alter the fact that we live on a visited planet. I'd never caught that quote before and never heard that phrase in reference to the coming of Christ in His birth. That we live on a visited planet. God visited us, His creation. The God of all creation came to recreate His creation, to redeem His creation To make possible the wholeness of life through Jesus Christ. And to bring us hope. See we all have this basic need in our life. To be known. To be touched. And to be cared for by someone greater than ourselves. And that need is met in Emmanuel. God with us who is Jesus Christ. That need is met in Jesus First John 5:20, and John wrote First John to, to assure his readers and believers who they were in Christ and who Christ was in the flesh. And he says in First John, John 5:20, "We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true." And we are in him who is true, even in his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. You see, John affirms the fact that that Jesus is Emmanuel and that he is God in the flesh, and in him we have eternal life. Those words are words of assurance for every one of us who has embraced Jesus Christ as Savior. See, this God who is high and lofty became our God. In the midst of our life to the fullest degree possible. And He did so when Jesus was born as the babe in Bethlehem. God has instilled in each of us a desire to know Him intimately, and He is present now so that everyone can meet Him. Everyone can know Him through Jesus Christ, His Son, as we celebrate His birth. If you're not in a relationship with God, He is waiting for you to acknowledge Him by faith, to know Him, and to be known by Him, and to claim eternal life in Jesus Christ. So, Emmanuel comes to meet our need to be known and to know God. Then secondly, Emmanuel meets our need to have all our sin and guilt removed. See, Jesus came to forgive us of our sins, the angel said to Joseph. So Emmanuel has come to meet our need to have all of our sin and our guilt removed. Sin brings with it a sense of of guilt. There was a time during the most horrible persecution of of the Jews by the Nazis in Poland that an elderly Jewish cemetery keeper went out to the cemetery early one morning and he discovered that sometime during the night a woman had crawled into one of the empty graves and she had given birth to a son and then she had died. This, this Polish cemetery keeper looked at this child in that grave and said, this must be the Messiah for only the Messiah could choose to be born in a grave. Well, obviously that baby born in a grave was not the Messiah because that baby born died later on that afternoon. And the real Messiah had been born over 1900 years ago because this incident happened in the 1930s. But the truthful observation of that cemetery keeper is accurate because only the Messiah would choose to be born into the midst of the pain and suffering and confusion and despair and sin and disgrace that this world has to offer to us. The birth of Jesus was necessary so that he could experience death for us. And it's so easy for us to celebrate and embrace the birth of the Christ child being held so tenderly and softly and intimately by his mother. But we must also remember that this babe would grow to manhood. And in his manhood he would be nailed to a cross. And in his act of dying upon that cross he would meet our need to have our sin and our guilt removed. You think about the cost of what God did at Christmas. He came from his lofty place in heaven as, 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 as a baby to be God in the flesh. And then he took that same God in the flesh, his son, and he allowed him to be nailed to the cross so that our sin and the guilt of that sin could be forgiven. Peter reminds us of the cost of our redemption in 1 Peter 1 18 and 19 when he writes, For you know that it is not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you are redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. You see, this Christ of Christmas cannot be distinguished from the Christ of the cross. Jesus paid for our sin and for our guilt with his own blood so that we could be free from every sin that we have ever committed. The Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5:19 and says, "God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation." You see, when you embrace this child, this Christ child, this God in the flesh, this Emmanuel who came to take away our sin and our guilt. When you embrace him by faith, Then you will stand before God and you will appear to him completely in purity and innocence. Because God no longer sees you as a sinner. He sees you through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's the good news of Emmanuel. God with us. And then there's the third meaning about Emmanuel for us to claim. And that is that Emmanuel meets our need to have God. As our constant companion. We need to know God as our constant companion. I read it this last year, and I think they're still following it this year. But right after Macy's Thanksgiving Day Christmas parade last year, I think on the Monday following that, they opened up their Santa Land Herald Square, and they did something different. The families used to flock there to bring their children to have a visit with Santa. Well, they did something different last year. They determined that they had to have a prearranged appointment for their children to meet with Santa. I bet that shook some things up, don't you think? But think about that. We don't have to make an appointment to meet with God. He's available 24-7. He is God with us. He is Emmanuel in our midst. Jesus came as Emmanuel to meet that need that we have for God as our constant companion. The birth of Christ is the reality of God in our life as our constant companion. In 2 Corinthians 6:17, God says, "I will live with them and walk among them and I will be their God and they will be my people." Somebody said it very well. The great gift Jesus gives us is the present of presence. The present of presence. And that's God's presence he gives to us. Now, I know that some of you, even in this wonderful season, has already gotten off to a kind of a frantic start, right? And you might say, well, you know, sometimes I just don't sense the presence of God the way I should from what the Bible tells me. Let me, let me give you something that might help. Let's try this little experiment. If you notice around the Christmas time, we see a lot of red and green. Those are the colors of Christmas. I want you to think about the color blue. Think about the color blue. Look around you and find something blue. Maybe might be somebody's got on a blue shirt. I've got on a blue shirt. Somebody might have on a blue coat, a blue sweater. It might be blue suede shoes somebody's wearing. It might be a Bible cover that's blue. It might be a purse or a pocketbook that's blue. Okay? You just start, you think about that. Something blue. And when you start seeing those things blue and thinking about looking for things blue, you're going to see more and more blue things. When you leave here today, if you look for them, you're going to think most every car on the road today is blue. Okay? Now you use that same analogy to God. You want a closer relationship to God? you want to claim your relationship with God, you want to know His constant presence in your life, then you have to think about God. Don't think about Him as blue, but think about God. And the more you think about Him, then the more you will experience Him, the more you will see Him. The more you think about God, the more you realize you're in relationship with God. He tells us in Hebrews thirteen five that He will never leave us nor forsake us. When Jesus commissioned the disciples and he sent them out to disciple the people of the world, he said to them, I am with you always to the end of the age. I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, Jesus didn't say that we will always feel his presence, just that he is always with us. Feeling his presence is up to us, it doesn't come automatically we have to desire that and reach out to to Him and build that relationship so we know His constant presence. But the reality is when you accept Jesus into your life, there will never be a time on this planet or in eternity to come when Jesus will not be your constant companion. Jesus came to meet that need of having God as our constant companion. And then the fourth thing, that I call your attention to today is that Emmanuel meets our need for hope for the future. We need hope for the future. Today we lit the candle, the Advent candle of hope. O come, O come, Emmanuel is a song of hope. Come, come. They wanted him to come. And we celebrate that he has come. And in his coming, he has brought to us hope for the future. We live in a world that doesn't offer us a whole lot of hope. We look around us and we see despair and brokenness and it's amplified more during the Christmas season. This wonderful season somehow when we are celebrating the birth of a child makes sickness and death even more of a sorrowful experience. I'm told that the suicide rate almost triples during the Christmas season. We get so frantic and frustrated about all the things we have to do to check them off of our list so that we can hopefully settle down and celebrate one day on Christmas Day without any confusion and frustration. We are a people who desperately need hope for the future. And it's met in Emmanuel who is God with us. Somebody said it very well when they said, God became homeless so that we could find a home. And the hope and the home that we have from God is heaven. In one of his encounters with the religious leaders of his day, they, they demanded to know of Jesus whether he was the Messiah or not, whether he really answered to that claim to be the Messiah. And in Matthew twenty six sixty four, Jesus said, Yes, it is as you say. But I say to all of you, in the future you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. Jesus was talking about a future event. It's yet to take place. He's talking about not His coming the first time, but He's talking about His second advent, His second coming. And in that coming, He will not be a cuddly infant in a cradle, but He will be the King of kings and Lord of lords, coming to bring judgment to those who refuse to acknowledge Him, but to give to those who accepted Him the gift of eternity and the glory of heaven. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians 1.18 reminds us of that secure future when he says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. See, there is our hope. It's our inheritance. And what is that? Our hope is the inheritance of eternal life in heaven. See, there is a need for a certain and sure hope today that we do have a future in heaven where we will live forever in the presence of God and we will know God with us. So may we pray from our hearts today, not just sing it from our lips, but pray it from our hearts today. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Come once again and enter into my life. Come into my world of chaos and confusion. Come into my world of sin and despair and guilt. Come into my world of unbelief and be God with me. Reveal Jesus Christ to me as Emmanuel, God with us. Help me celebrate the birth of this Christ child. But let me look beyond that. Let me look beyond the cradle and see the cross. And see the ultimate price that it costs for you to come from your high and lofty place to be among those who are contrite and lowly and broken in spirit. Come and revive my spirit. Come and renew your creation, Lord God. For you are Emmanuel, God with us. Let us truly praise God this Christmas for what he has done in the birth of his son. Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the depth of your love that you would look down upon us from your high and lofty place, and that you would see us in our broken spirit and in our sin and guilt, and you would descend from the glories of heaven and come to earth to live among those who are broken and sinful and weak. And that you would send Jesus Christ to redeem us and to renew us, to save us from our sins. I pray, Father, that as we go through this season, you will reveal yourself in ways that will allow us to know your presence among us. As this holy, righteous, perfect God who descended into the real world where we live. To reassure us of your love, your care, and your concern. And that we would enter into a new and fresh relationship with you through faith in Jesus Christ, our long-awaited Savior. Father, we pray that in the name of Christ, who left his throne and the glories of heaven, to come to earth and to reveal you to us, so that we would never have to be separated from you again as we place our faith in Christ. In his name we pray, and we celebrate, and we trust. Amen.